I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And this is uh, season two, episode five of Two Guys on Politics. Well, what's on our agenda today, Bill? Well, I thought we'd talk about all the snow we got yesterday, Ray. <laughs> hey, you know, listen, we are from Chicago. It's kind of weird to hear people complain about snow from people who've been living in Chicago all their life, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's part of the life, what you expect. But I will say that uh, um, I have this big snow blower, and I have two neighbors. One of them 78. The other one is a widow. She's like 76. Um, and I plowed their driveways too, but I had to do it three times. There was so much snow all day yesterday. Well, I'm very fortunate. I have uh, a, a very good neighbor on my right and a very good neighbor on my left. And I have this real big snowblower, uh, but they race to get out there to do my uh, sidewalk in my nice. drive. Oh, yes. Yeah, I tell you, it gives me pleasure to go out and do the neighbors. The, the man next door can't barely walk and you know, I just feel bad. And to be honest with you, it's a, all I got to do is push. It has a motorized wheel. So it makes me feel good that I'm able to help them. And I'm sure that your neighbors feel good helping you too. No, no question about it. Okay, now let's get serious. What did you think of Joe Biden's appoint, uh, saying he's going to appoint an African-American woman to the Supreme Court? Well, I, at first I'm thinking, you know, it's politics, pandering to your political base, you know, I'm sure most African-Americans vote Democratic. They voted for Biden. They didn't vote Republican. And then I'm, you know, and I'm thinking, why is race the most important thing in an appointment to such an important office like uh, the Supreme Court? Don't we want the best, smartest minds? But as we both know, coming from Chicago, race and politics plays a major role in keeping everybody content and happy. And I think in Chicago, didn't we have a racial breakdown and who was in what different offices? Yes, we did. You did? Absolutely. I think it was uh, uh, Kozabowski, wasn't he? The, uh, Kozabowski, yeah, he was city clerk. He was city clerk. He represented yeah. the Polish community. And right. wasn't, wasn't the city clerk's position a Polish position for That's a what? while? John Marson had it for many, many years. Yeah, John Marson. Got it, yes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then the tre the treasurer's office was the African-American, I think, right? Right. Before that, it was a, a Czech because the Czechs had a very large population, but it eventually went to the African-Americans. And I believe the first guy was a guy by the name of Joe Bertram, who had been a basketball player for the University of uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, Joe, he was an alderman at one time, too. Joe Bertrand, I remember him, a good guy. Oh, yeah, Joe yeah. was an alderman. absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And so race politics isn't that unusual, right? No, it certainly is not. There's no and, question about it. And we haven't had an African-American, have we, on the Supreme Court, have we? Not a woman, no. No. Uh, not an African-American woman. No, I think it's, uh, you know, I support the appointment of an African-American woman to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, we've never had one. I think it's good for the Supreme Court to have one. I think it's good for the country. Uh, maybe uh, now the decisions of the Supreme Court will uh, bring us together instead of dividing us as it has so much in the, in the past. So I have no problem with whoever he wants to pick that's an African-American woman to put on the Supreme Court. But I do have a big problem 
with how he went about it. I think it's going to diminish her stature, no matter who he does select. How, how is that? Why, why is that? Well, he, if you recall, he was having a lot of difficulty in the presidential primaries. South Carolina was coming up. He was very close friends with uh, James uh, Clyborne, uh, who has been in Congress a long time. In fact, as a sidebar to our conversation, Jim Clyborne is one of the hardest working, most honest, sincere members of Congress uh, I have ever been affiliated with, and I think enormously high of him. But Joe, uh, Joe and he were friends. So uh, Joe sat down and talked to Clyborne and said, what can I do to win this primary in South Carolina? And uh, Clyborne said to him, the best thing that you could do would be to announce that you are going to appoint an African-American woman to the United States Supreme Court, the first chance that you get. Joe proceeded to go out and do that during the debate in South Carolina. And the rest is history. Joe is the president of the so, United States, and he's about to appoint an African-American woman to the United States Supreme Court. I think that's going to, to hurt her. I think it's going to diminish her in the eyes of a lot of people. Right, because we keep hearing about her race rather than her qualifications. People Absolutely. are discussing the fact that she's African-American. But we've had several African-American men. We've had some Hispanic uh, women and members. We have a, num a couple, number of women that have been on there, Jewish members, um, white ethnic members, Republican, and no Arab American members yet, but I'm still hopeful that's going to happen. Not have, there hasn't been any Polish American on there either. So uh, All right, there you go. I mean, mm -hmm. isn't that the thing that is a little offensive about this is that when race becomes a factor in an appointment, there are many races that have not had the privilege, right? And I, I'm not saying that Arab Americans are a major, you know, voice in the United States. Clearly, it has to do with politics and who that person represents more than it does uh, maybe diversity. Because if it really was diversity, why don't we have 50 Supreme Court justices, one from each recognized ethnic group? How's that? That probably wouldn't go over very well. I think you're going a little bit overboard on that rate, but uh, oh. underneath, underneath that circumstance, you may get an Arab on there, and I may be able to get someone of Polish uh, heritage on there also. Do you think? And see, that's that's the issue. I mean, why isn't somebody? Why don't they say, "Hey, let's"? Uh, I'm going to appoint a Polish male or a Polish woman to the Supreme Court. It wouldn't it create like an outcry today? But if it's a minority. Oh, Yes. Yeah. If if you're African-American or Hispanic, it's almost like, oh, yeah, we have to do that for diversity. And I and again, I don't mean to take away from African-Americans or Hispanics, but I'm Arab-American. What am I, chopped liver? Nobody cares. You know, that's the problem with racial politics. You're absolutely you know? right. And that's the problem with the Democratic Party at the present time. Their racial politics. Yeah, it's like it's they say it's about diversity and respecting racial, uh, you know, uh, equity. Uh, but in truth, that's not really the case. It's really like we have a lot of African-American voters who live in Democratic states. We want to make them happy. We want we have a lot of Hispanic voters in Democratic states. We got to make them happy. We have a lot of white voters 
in uh, Republican states, we got to make them happy. Nobody says, hey, we got a lot of Polish voters. They lump Poles and Irish now in one group. You're all white. That's it. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, Poles, Irish, you know, Czechs. Uh, it's like you're, uh, you don't mean anything. White. That's all. Yeah. Don't you get a sense that it's like disrespectful almost? I'm Arab American. We got a big population in Illinois. We're not even on the census. They're keeping us out of the census. They, you know, we've been fighting for that for 40 years. I remember one of the first things I did was to try to get Arab Americans included on the census. And uh, they would just never do it because once they know how many people you are and where you live, you suddenly are empowered. As long as they can keep you vague and unknown, that cuts into your power base. But Biden is going to get credit, kudos for doing this, won't he, though? I didn't hear you, Ray. You froze up. I couldn't hear you. Uh, Biden is probably going to get a lot of praise um, for the appointment, don't you think? Oh, Bill, I think we did freeze there. The uh, justice who is uh, retiring, uh, who had no intentions whatsoever of retiring six months ago, but he has been subjected to a very, very strong effort on the part of left-wing progressive Democrats to retire. They've almost forced him off. Uh, at one time in the last couple of months, they had a truck driving around Washington, D.C. with big signs on it telling the justice that he should retire. His time has come. And there are a number of very prominent uh, university uh, professors that have written uh, columns, op-ed pieces, urging him uh, to retire. So I really feel that uh, he's just about been forced off of the Supreme Court by these uh, left-wing liberal progressives who want to make sure that they get another left-wing liberal progressive uh, on the court. And he's, uh, he's white, St Stephen Breyer, right? Is that That's correct. Stephen Breyer, but do we know what his ethnicity is? Because if I'm his ethnicity, I'm going to be upset, but nobody's going to listen to me, of course, because nobody cares. Well, about his ethnicity is Jewish. Oh, there you go. Okay, he's Jewish. Um, and wouldn't the Jewish community be upset that they're losing a Jewish voice on the Supreme Court? Uh, not, I haven't... As long, not as long as it's being uh, uh, done by a, a Democratic president. No, I don't think so. I think most of the, the Jewish people are in the uh, Democratic Party, and they will go along with whatever the left-wing liberal progressives uh, want to do. And that raises the question about, again, about race and politics. If Trump had forced him out and he nominated somebody, it would have been a huge story, I bet. Oh, there'd be an outcry from the New York Times, the Washington Post, every uh, cable news uh, channel, with the exception of Fox, of course, uh, would have come down on uh, Trump, uh, that he doesn't like Jewish people. He wants to get rid of Jewish people. Uh, yes, it uh, and so it, it does have a lot to do with politics. Now, on the other hand, and I, and I think you, you've said this too, that, uh, there, that it probably is good to have an African-American woman on the Supreme no Court. No question about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's just sometimes the way you go about it, how it's done. Um, it's too much. It seems like if the emphasis is more on politics than on actual diversity. 
Um, yes. I don't know if you're going to be talking to President Biden soon or if he calls you up to ask you for advice. I, I know Reagan did one time you talked to him. But uh, would you tell him that do you think he could maybe appoint an Arab American to the Supreme Court? There are a couple oh, good Joe, ones. If Joe Everett calls me for advice, I will definitely recommend he appoint an Arab American to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you don't have to be a lawyer to be on there. So I will really? recommend you go on the Supreme Court. You can be a precinct captain for an organization. You put him on there. Now, listen, if he does call you up, get him on our podcast. Forget about the appointment to the Supreme okay. Court. I'll be happy to do that. All right. And, and anything else on that topic, you think? And where, where are we at? He, did he announce his uh, nomination? No, he has not. There, there's a short list out. Right. Uh, it's all very well qualified. I'll tell you uh, another factor, though, that uh, every uh, the members of the Supreme Court, four of them, graduated from Harvard, four of them graduated from Yale, uh, one graduated from the University of Notre Dame. I would hope that there would be more diversity amongst the universities that are represented on the United States uh, Supreme Court. There was a woman from South Carolina who attended Florida, I think Central Florida undergraduate, and then she went to the university of South Carolina as a, uh, for law school. And uh, I think she would make a very good uh, Supreme Court justice. She'd bring even more diversity there. Uh, not only being African-American and being a woman, but someone who is not from one of the elite law schools in this country. I think President Biden is trying to call you right now. He must have heard. He's spying on us. He must have heard us. Yeah, I think it is, Joe. I'll have to call you back, Joe. I'm sorry. He'll, he'll forget that he called you. Don't worry about it. So you'll have to remind him that he called you. But uh, yeah, I think I think you 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 raise a good point that uh, um, it just seems wrong that it's it's coming from an elitist uh, you know educational group. Absolutely. Um, and there there should be a diversity in that also. And the only way to really do it perfectly and fairly is you take the people that have the highest achievement, regardless of the, their race, and you put them on the Supreme Court, and you hope that because they're smart, they're reasoned, uh, that they will, and have common sense, um, that they'll come to the right decision about major issues. And yeah, another thing, in uh, most people that were Roman Catholics, as I am, who I attend mass every weekend. I participate in the church uh, totally and completely. But four of the members of the United States Supreme Court are of the Catholic religion. Wow. I think that we're a little bit overrepresented, you know, on the United States Supreme Court. I think there should be more diversity as far as religious groups also. And as I say, I'm a Catholic. I'm sure I'm as good a Catholic of anyone as any one of those people on the Supreme Court. But we need more diversity there, too. Yeah, because judicial decisions do kind of, especially at the Supreme Court level, obviously they have to do with interpreting laws uh, and enforcing laws. But it must also reflect their personal experience, you know, the way they've been raised, their beliefs. You know, that, that plays into a decision when they come to making a decision. 
Um, and, and you know what, I've never looked at this, but I wonder how uh, four Catholics have, uh, you know, voted on the issue of Roe versus Wade and abortion. That would be a tough issue, you know, for... Well, I, think, I think we're going to find that out very shortly. And I'm confident that uh, three out of the four are going to vote to uh, repeal Roe versus Wade. The fourth one, I'm not so sure of, but I'm not going to divulge who I think those people are at the present time. I'll save it until we get closer to uh, the decision being made. Well, before, listen, that's actually a good point. We should probably give it a minute or two to talk about that. Roe versus Wade basically um, repealing it, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, would allow each state then, correct, to decide how to yeah. deal with abortion. Isn't it better to have one policy nationwide um, or do you think it's better to have allow each state to decide the policy? Well, I personally, I'm, I'm pro-life. I voted pro-life when I was in the House of Representatives. Uh, so I may not be the most objective person, but I have never found any rationale for uh, the United States Supreme Court allowing abortions, okay? I think it should be handled by each state in the union. And really that's all that the pro-life people have been after for a long time. Now, most people say, well, if the Supreme Court decides that Roe versus Wade is uh, not enforceable any longer, it's gonna end the battle, but it's not. We're gonna wind up having a battle in 50 states in this country. So that issue is not going away. It is a yeah. very difficult issue. There's no question about it. Yeah, there, there are two big issues that are very difficult to debate. One is abortion, one is gun control and gun rights. Um, and the third one, which is a new one, is coronavirus. Should you wear a mask or not wear a mask? It's like there's no middle ground on those three different issues. All right, this past uh, week, we also uh, talking about uh, the U.S. government and constitution, and uh, we saw a debate over free speech where a guy who was a uh, announcer for a very popular wrestling program who did some acting, some stand-up com comedy, and some uh, TV announcing. His name's Joe Rogan. He has a podcast, much like ours, except, of course, he has 11 million followers. Well, if you um, want yeah. <laughs> we're, I think we're, or I think we're at about 80. We're about 80. We're growing, though. I'm telling you, we're growing. We had a good uh, response to our uh, Facebook uh, broadcast last week. But Joe Rogan is also, none of that other stuff bothers anybody, but he's conservative. He challenges the uh, restrictions on coronavirus. And it, as you know, our world today in America is divided between two people. And there are very few people like you and me who are in the middle. Um, so he broadcasts his podcast on a system, a platform called Spotify, which sells music and distributes podcasts. And it's one of the biggest ones in the world. I think it's based overseas in Sweden. I think it's a Swedish-owned company. That's oh, what that I read. Good, said. So, and our podcast, by the way, is on Spotify. Uh, and I think it'd be great if Neil Young, the uh, entertainer, and Joni Mitchell, the entertainer, from this, both of them from the 60s, uh, would demand that we be boycotted because that would get us a lot of attention. I'm sure it would, no question about it. But, they, but they're demanding that Joe Rogan be removed from Spotify because they didn't like his opinion. And the only way for them to stop him is to get Spotify to agree with them 
because they can't influence his 11 million followers, which is a lot of people who are all American citizens. And when Spotify said, no, it's a free speech issue, uh, they weren't going to kick Joe Rogan off their plat platform. Uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell both said that they were going to remove all their music from Spotify to, to force Spotify to do what they wanted. And I thought that was kind of hypocritical because these are two people in the 60s who were screaming about free speech, live the way you want to live, don't let government control us, don't let Big Brother tell us what to do. And in fact, they've become or they're trying to become Big Brother. That should be offensive to people. Well, it certainly is offensive to me. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, Joe, who I've never listened to, uh, and I don't know a great deal about him, but I'm glad to see that he's not being taken off of Spotify because uh, he has a right to free speech. Yeah. Now, those two entertainers also have a right to free speech. And if they don't want their music on Spotify, fine. Yeah. Have, let them take it, off, take it off. Joe should have free speech. They should have free speech. And Spotify should be able to do what they want to do. You know, if it costs them money, so be it. If it makes them money, so be it. But freedom of speech in this country is under attack, has been under attack, principally, really, from the left-wing uh, progressive. Right. But uh, I hope that everyone continues their, to keep their positions in regards to this situation. And none of them are penalized in any way, shape, or form. And, and I think it's, it's not just the issue of hypocrisy, like with Neil Young. I mean, when you look at his songs, you know, the protest movement from the 60s and all that, you know, about don't let people control us, that you should be able to do and say whatever you want, free sex, free drugs, free whatever. Um, what really bothers me is the idea that they treat the average American like they're stupid. So they're basically saying, I don't want Americans to listen to Joe Rogan. I want them to listen to us. They don't believe that... Um, I'm smart enough to listen to Joe Rogan, to listen to them and come to the decision that I think is the best in terms of their differences. But they don't believe I'm smart enough to do that. And I don't think they believe the majority of Americans are smart enough. Um, and this is, like you point out, coming from the far left, but the left, the centrist left are with them also. And I think it's wrong. It's, it's like hypocrisy. How it is hypocrisy. There's, there's no question about it. Uh, the two entertainers, quite frankly, I was not familiar with at all. I was here during the 1960s. I lived through the 60s. I remember most things about it, but I really don't remember them as entertainers whatsoever. I was still listening to uh, Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and those kind of people and Buddy Holly. Yeah. And, and listen, just because you are a famous musician, what, what, uh, qualifies you to be a, uh, a person who can now tell people how to live. I, they write great. I love Neil Young's songs. I love some of Joni Mitchell's songs. Here, here's someone who championed women's rights, you know, and saying that women should be free to do what they want. Nobody should oppress them. And yet they want to oppress somebody else. It seems like it undermines the very movement that adjustment right, you know, to to give women the right to vote, the right to speak out, to be equal. Um, her actions, I think Joni Mitchell's actions demean that. 
you know, and really make a mockery of that. And, and it really is disappointing to me. I love their music. I guess I never really liked their politics. So if they're gone from Spotify, I don't care. And, and I'm like you, I never listened to, I've only listened to Joe Rogan because of this controversy. Mm-hmm. And you I know, he's a, because of the controversy, but I still haven't listened to him. Yeah, he's a little obviously he's a conservative. He's not the far right, but on certain issues he is. Um, but I, it's interesting to me, and I'm I don't agree with everything he says. But the point is, I'm smart enough to come to my own conclusion. And apparently, nobody thinks that people like us should be allowed to make up our own minds anymore. They want to tell us the way to think. And I think that's the big brother that we should be afraid of. You, you hit the nail right on the head. There's no question about it. We have to protect ourselves from big brother. Yeah. And I talk about the right wing in this country, but I think we're more in danger from the extreme progressive left wing as far as having many of our rights taken away. Well, the danger comes from the power that the left wing now has. When yes. the power is balanced, when you have a two-party system, uh, two political voices, you have more accountability. But there seems to be a lot more bullying because of the media. They use the media far because the media, I think, tends to lean toward them far more than they lean to the right. Um, and I think that uh, that has turned into a bullying. You can't say something, you know, without getting, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to bring up the Whoopi Goldberg thing, but she said something which was a little you know, I, my wife, as you know, is Jewish, and I was talking to her about it. And uh, the Holocaust is a special circumstance. And it's wrong to bring the Holocaust in to compare it to things that happen today. Even as a Palestinian, I don't think Arabs should say, oh, the Israelis are involved in a Holocaust against the Palestinians. You know, the Holocaust, we should re- respect it for what Hitler did to the Jewish people But I also think at the same time, why can't we have a discussion about it? Because from discussion, we have education and understanding. That's very true. I I agree with that. Yeah, but it's not, unfortunately, it's uh, too much power creates uh, almost like a dictatorship in a democracy. And uh, it's it's worrisome for me. Well, I understand that uh, she's been suspended uh, for two weeks and I understand she's very upset about that. But what she did have to say, I, I've seen it several times, it was at, at least very, very insensitive to the Jewish people. Right. No, no question about that. Uh, and the fact that she doesn't realize how the Jewish people, uh, you know, look at the Holocaust. Right. Uh, in light of the fact she has as many Jewish friends as people say she has, right. just her insensitivity was re- really very, very surprising to me. I think it's a clash in that case between the experience of African-Americans versus the experience of Jews. And, you know, because I know Whoopi Goldberg was saying, well, Jews are not a race. And she's saying that from the perspective of an African-American where race is the big issue. Right. And I think there was a disconnect between maybe she didn't say it the right way or what, whatever she was trying to say. And to be honest with you, I would never bring that up and, and say, oh, we need to do this or do that. I, Personally, I think the Holocaust was so terrible. Forget about Arab-Israeli politics. Forget about uh, whether we're Christian, Muslim, or Jewish. Um, People were murdered just because of their religion and in the most horrible way. 
Um, and it, and you don't want to minimize that by making it an everyday discussion about, you know, what it is or what it isn't. So and I don't know why she brought up that subject or how that subject came up in the first place. I haven't seen enough of the program. Do you know, you know, why she wound up being in that position to well, that, comment on the Holocaust? That's one of the problems of today's news media. They focus on the excitement and the controversy. They don't do a good job explaining the basics. Yeah. Because they they really want to cut to the to the most exciting part to sell papers, to promote podcasts and and do everything else. But to be honest with you, um, Whoopi Goldberg should have been smart enough to know not to get into that topic the way she did. And in a way, I think that yeah, she should be maybe a little bit of a punishment. But I don't think she's anti-Semitic. I don't think she meant to disrespect the Holocaust. I think she said something that did offend people, you know, who were Jewish, but we'll see. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Randy. Well, Bill, I, it's always a pleasure to be on here with you. And uh, one day we're going to create a controversy and uh, we'll see who comes out of the woodwork to attack us. Because uh -huh. the one thing I've learned in journalism, and I owe this to Jane Byrne, I was a nobody columnist until one day she got up there and attacked me from the city hall podium. And suddenly everybody, and the, I don't know if you remember this back in 1979 after she'd been elected. Um, and, uh, and you and I were pretty close. So I don't know where That's the information, part. I don't wanna say where I got the information from, but she was upset with what I was writing. She attacked me, she refused to talk to me and it, and it resulted in her putting me in front of the public and she did me a great service. I always later, I would thank her saying, you know, the worst thing you can do to somebody you don't like is to attack them. Because once you do that, you're just putting a spotlight on it and it's not achieving what you would have hoped to do. She That's certainly didn't true. silence me. So anyway, well, listen, I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And this has been Two Guys on Politics. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Watch out for that snow. Yep.